blow it up or try and go for it don't kind of do a little bit of both and just shit yourself staring at the toilet like it's just <laughs> like So hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. It's the off-season, so there's a whole lot of shit to get talking about. Uh, we have trades, we have players moving, we have news from all around the league, winners and losers of free agency so far, and a bit of preview of the upcoming NFL draft. So hey guys, we've got Connor here, we've got Harry. Hello. And we've got Ronan. Hello. How are we getting on, lads? Any crack? Yeah, Graham, well, it's been a long time since we last uh, we last checked in. The major change in my life is that I've started exercising mm. uh, for the first time in years. So I, I go with a friend of mine who's very into it. We go for a little run, and then he puts me through these insane workouts. Uh, so I'm dead every Monday as a result of this, and I can't go out drinking on Saturdays because I did that before, and I keep throwing up everywhere when I do. <laughs> <laughs> So it's been an adventure, and I'll be honest with you, I kind of, it's grim, it's not fun, but it does make you feel better, so it does, yeah, it's worth it. Um, but we're in the in the, in the the depths of referendum season now, so that's also taking some attention. We've got the lovely uh, Eighth Amendment uh, controversial issue, um, and uh, yeah, it's been fun watching the fundraiser crowdfunding for the uh, repeal campaign just ticking up today. They're at €225,000, and it's been launched this morning, which yeah, is Yeah, it's a lot, of, lot, lot of money in a short time. It's, uh, it's looking very good. What about yourself, Fitz? How's it all down in Cork? Uh, going pretty well. Uh, we're actually doing a big update at work tomorrow, so I have to get up at like half six to be there while we push it out and hope that it doesn't crash everything in all of our clients. But uh, So we've been pretty busy with that for the last month or so, and uh, obviously like everyone in Ireland to keep an eye on this referendum stuff and uh, throwing money around where appropriate. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun. I was out actually, I was out doing door-to-door for them last week. I actually got a fairly nice response, even the no's were mostly very civil, didn't get called the devil or anything. So uh, that was good. Uh, I, do, I do believe some of the friends uh, who are out with us did get called the devil, but there's always, there always a moment when you go to a door and you see like a shrine to Mary yeah. in the corner, you're like, God, this could go one of two ways. But, yeah. uh, no, it was good, but we've got lots and lots and lots of news to get through. Uh, so this is going to be kind of a review of how the free agency period's gone so far, some of the news updates, and a quick look at the prospects for the draft. And then we're hoping to next week get a mock draft and a bit of a more deep dive on these new players who'll be entering the league. So uh, I suppose we'll kick off for now. So looking at a couple of the main bits of news, the owners' meeting has happened since we spoke to you last. There's a number of changes coming out of this. So the catch rule is being updated. Uh, it was... The main takeaway is that it's removed the controlling through the ground element. Interestingly, apparently the way that they formulated this was they went on the basis of controversial calls that happened in the last year or two and they said, do you want X to be a catch? Do you want Y to be a catch? And then working backwards from that rather than just trying to do it in a vacuum, which is an interesting approach to take. Uh, They've also added a, a new penalty for... Uh, leading with the crown of the helmet into contact which could have wider implications for how running backs and things like that work because it's both offensively and defensively applied Uh, and they are also removing the requirement to kick an extra point if you are winning the game at the close of time so no having to run seven men onto the pitch for a pointless knee essentially Um, they have not enforced the McDaniels rule as it was being called so you cannot hire coaches in season still uh, and there's more discussions of as we discussed in this podcast before getting rid of kickoffs uh, or making them safer so guys big takeaways from this I suppose is going to be the change of the catch rule is the obvious one right yeah so I think the big difference that this makes is that when a player makes a football move, does something that indicates control, they don't. They uh, which was happened, you know, very adjacent to the actual catch itself. 
now that won't that won't be considered to be a football move or be more likely to be interpreted as a football move and therefore if the ball you know bounces off the ground at the end of the catch it was still a catch to happen and i think that's actually a great thing because that incentivizes uh, players to do more stupid stuff basically like under the old rule the basic idea is if you were in a situation where you had a cat where you caught the ball and there was a likelihood you're going to fall and therefore the catch uh, control to the ground condition came in your incentive was to be be conservative now you know the idea is to do ridiculous things dive for the end <laughs> do that kind of stuff and you know if we're talking like Bigger plays, better plays, plays that look better on replay, and ones which hopefully will lead to less replays. I think that's a generally a good thing, in my opinion. Um, so hopefully, this will just lead to more referees being willing to leave catches unless there's strong evidence to overturn it, and we can all spend uh, less of the time um, thinking about, oh, well, did it bobble slightly in his hands? Did it bobble slightly when it hit the ground? And focus on what matters, which is getting back to the football game. I look forward to uh, watching the new season and within three weeks knowing what the new problems with the new rule are going to be. Uh, what are your takeaways from these, these rule changes? Yeah, I think that the crown of the helmet one is interesting because we know that there's sort of been this idea about lowering your head into contact, particularly with defensive players, and what constitutes a defenceless player versus mm-hmm. what constitutes a legal hit. And this is much more of a now blanket application rather than an inconsistent, well, it's okay to headbutt a guy on this kind of play, but it's not okay <laughs> to headbutt a guy on that kind of play. And we saw, for example, in the Tennessee-Kansas City playoff game where Travis Kelsey was knocked out mm. by what was technically a perfectly legal but also extremely dirty hit by um, one of the Tennessee defence backs, possibly yes. Cyprian. And that kind of thing is now no longer going to be to be legal. And this is good because it's you're looking at... And it, it also cuts both ways when mm. I'm running backs leading with the crown, which is the other factor in it. But basically, what you're looking at here is a, is a more of a, an application where ultimately, the rather than sort of this slow transition of here's how the game is and we'll pick off this bit, we'll pick off that bit, it's more of an open kind of look... There's a problem with this that is a very obvious part of player safety, and we need to do something to disincentivize that. Mm-hmm. And I think this is this is actually a positive step. Yes, it's small. Yes, it's partial. But the more that the NFL does to disincentivize players, and um, like injuring other players or injuring themselves through reckless uh, running and poor technique and poor mm-hmm. tackling, this can only be a good thing. Like I think there's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this is enforced because mm. I think I think we're going to see it enforced very heavily in the preseason and I will be intrigued to see if that follows through into the regular season as much. When it's interesting you point out the Travis Kelsey hit because from my understanding I don't think that this would impact the Travis Kelsey oh, hit right. but it would impact the hit on Gronk in the in the playoffs because the Travis Kelsey hit the person was heads up but it was a helmet to helmet contact but the the issue was that Travis Kelsey was being pulled down at the time so the person had their heads up and they were going for more torso area but as he came down from the other tackle I think he was getting I, I didn't remember Cyprian dipping but it was I was very he, drunk and it was a long think, time ago yeah, so I think, I, think, I, think, I think he dipped to yeah. tackle the body and then Travis Kelsey was coming down at right. the same time uh, yeah. it, was a, it was a horrible hit but yeah it's not just about like protecting the player who's lowing, like who it's not just about protecting the player who's gonna be hit yeah. by the helmet. This also ensures that players aren't doing stupid tackles which yeah. hurt themselves. Like when you look at that Ryan Shazier incident, that comes about by players trying to use their helmet as a weapon. Exactly. And right. you know, the helmet is attached to your neck and back, so perhaps <laughs> You know, disincentivizing that is good for every player involved in that situation, yeah. defense and offense. Well, this is the thing. This is why the, the the thing that's always touted around is that like if you want to try and rectify these problems, 
make them not wear helmets and a lot of this will stop um, we'll move on and have a look at the couple of injuries actually because it's the off season there's not a wild pile in here uh, Brashad Breeland failed his physical with Carolina after being given a three year contract option uh, this is apparently related to his ATV accident from previously beforehand so he remains a free agent and uh, Ryan Grant which I think was a, this is a bit more of a kind of interesting story he failed his Baltimore physical uh after a better wide receiver became available and was interested in signing with Baltimore. So he has now moved over to Indianapolis. There's been a number of quotes coming out from his agent about how it's interesting that he passed physicals for every other team, but the team that then decided to sign a different wide receiver then decided to to essentially Welsh on his deal because of that. Uh, This will be interesting to see if it goes anywhere. I'd imagine they won't, that the teams will definitely not want this to be something that the NFLPA get too involved in, right? Yeah, and I think it, it's very difficult to prove mm. um, with medical stuff. Like, if you can just pull up the medical records and be like, yeah, look, look we, th- we think he, this was wrong with him. You checked him this week. Oh, next mm-hmm. week it wasn't there. So, and I think they, they can be quite subjective about it. So, they definitely are going to want to sort of shut this down. And I can't see the other teams particularly going after them on it because I don't think it's a fight they particularly want to get into because I'm sure every team has done something like this. Yeah. Um, so it's just one of those things, just players just get screwed on things like this yeah. because that's the way the NFL works and that sucks. But And there's also, if you're if you're the kind of players getting one year $5 million deals, you don't want to have that type of reputation mm-hmm. if you want to continue to work and get jobs in the NFL. So uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, crime and punishment, what are they going to do? Possibly felonies? Footage uh, <laughs> emerged of wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, in Paris going bananas. Uh, he was, was a lot of casual drug use going on. Uh, he was videotaped in a room with some ladies with some uh, nose candy being taken. Uh, interesting question of what he was doing, whether he was involved in the drug taking. Why the fuck he allowed someone to videotape it in the first place? Uh, this is then kind of fed into rumours that I think we'll probably discuss a little bit later on the free agency tracker. But uh, that there's talks of potential of trading Odell Beckham now this offseason as well. Uh, this was stupid. Yeah, I mean, yeah. every single part of this is stupid. Um, like the videotaping that was stupid the fact that he was doing it in the first place was stupid like he was clearly smoking a blunt and eating pizza whether or not he was doing coke which again is stupid if you're an NFL player you know you can't do that don't do it while there is a camera pointed at you um, just the whole thing's messed and the, the way it was treated was also just stupid because then it was like you know Odell Beckham coke fiend blah, blah, blah. and nothing nothing seems to have really come of it because again you're not going to like the NFL, as much as they would love to, can't really suspend a player for being in the vicinity of drugs because no, then they would have course. to suspend the entire league every weekend. But I think the trade and holdout stuff, and I know we'll come to this later, I think that's been completely overblown. And is I think for Gettleman, it's been very useful for him to get out without ever having to do anything to be like, oh, I'm going to come down harshly on Odell Beckham because that really establishes a stamp of like authority. Like, we're, we're, you know, we're considering this, we're thinking about doing it. Well, he knows he's never actually going to trade him because that would be absolutely insane for them to do that. There were rumours like, oh, they were requesting two first-rounders, which is obviously, again, nobody is going yeah. to meet that price if that was even anything more than a rumour they put out. It looks like he's going to turn up to training camp now. So he, he did actually, he yeah, came in there. There you go. So Beckham's counter, well, fuck you guys, I don't want to do this. Mm. Also just bluster of him not wanting to seem like he's cowed by the organisation. So the whole thing's just been mm. a big kind of of nothing that's come out of one moment of stupidity that apparently happened two years ago anyway. So, uh, Ronan, would this be better or worse if it had occurred on a boat in Miami? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, The Rock might have shown up then. Yeah. (laughs) Probably worse. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it was uh, was interesting. Uh, Buffalo's wide receiver, Zay Jones, has been arrested on felony 
vandalism charges, uh, but he was released without uh, being fully charged. Uh, this was a weird story that's coming out about what sounded like either mental health issues or synthetic uh, weed, given the stories we heard about synthetic weed and players previously. Uh, raving naked in a hotel room, uh, kicking through a window, quite a lot of blood everywhere. Uh, Buffalo have confirmed that he's still with the team and they don't plan to have this impact at all. And I believe at the moment they're not expecting charges to come, although that is still open at the moment and at the discretion of the prosecutor or the police force in in the area. Um, do we think anything of this? Or I, th- I think this is one that we probably find out nothing more about if it disappears or we'll hear a huge story about it in about two months' time. Yeah, I think I think it, considering his production was quite disappointing for a second round pick, uh, a wide receiver last year for Buffalo, you just imagine the leash, leash got a bit short, shorter because of this. But I think given the footage that emerged, there could be other things going on. I think generally the Bills are sympathetic right now, but of course if his on-field performance fails to match up to his pedigree next year, uh, you, you know he's the kind of player who could easily have his NFL career mm-hmm. end much quicker and this thing just doesn't help with that with your cause yeah. in any way there's been there's been a number of high draft picks spent on wide receivers who either through like indiscretion or just lack of on-field production people seem to be much happier to cut bait with them after a year or two if they're not living up to the amount of headache that they're providing Philadelphia's defensive end Michael Bennett sounds weird to say Philadelphia's defensive end doesn't it um, uh, he's been arrested on an injury to the elderly charge related to going onto the field after Super Bowl 51 to see his brother uh, he supposedly pushed an elderly person who was in a wheelchair I think um, mobility scooter mobility scooter um, so this is this has just come to light this is a very confusing story from what I from what I've read of it, like it just seems weird that it took so long for this to occur that we heard nothing about it at the time. It's just like Fitz, you know a bit more about Bennett, obviously him just being on your team until very recently. Like, what's what what's the deal here? Like, I think you're right. No one really knows. Like, like there has been some footages emerged of when this moment would presumably have happened when he came out, and there's really no indication from that footage of where this incident occurred. But, you know, like, obviously, at these things, there's a lot of people in the way. There's probably security. Obviously, the security is mostly, uh, is, you know, it, with, you know, some of the security is, is actual security. Some of them are there just people to say, don't go through here. Obviously, Michael Bennett is, you know, a six-foot-something football player who probably isn't, you know, taking too much attention to that when he's running onto the field. So I think, like, you know, considering the political environment around the NFL right now, maybe you could see something there. But I think it's just one of those situations where, you know, someone made a charge. They've gathered some evidence. Obviously, a grand jury came to the conclusion that, that that it was worth investigating further. But like, I would be surprised if anything actually came of it. Yeah. Um, maybe I think maybe there'll be some settlement outside of court or something to to, to deal with it. But it, it was surprising, and the footage doesn't really show anything. So I genuinely don't know what happened here. Michael Bennett, by all accounts, doesn't seem to either. So. It's very confusing altogether. Yeah, it's a little weird, and I think I think you said political environment. Look, I think you're the one thing we do know is the background of how the police have handled it. Um, so the apparently the local chief police who gave a very weird press conference um, subsequent to the grand jury charge. And grand juries, of course, are like it is literally the one side of the fair. The prosecution presents a case to the grand jury, saying should we proceed with this, mm-hmm. and there's no evidence from the other side did this, then gave this really weird press conference where he just bashed Michael Bennett's character. And this guy, apparently, in his previous roles, has had somewhat fraught relationships with the African-American community. So there's a a feeling that he's going after, like, a high-profile 
firstly high profile football player but also high profile black football player because of this guy's own prejudice so regardless of what happened the fact that it's got to this stage looks like it's a chief of police trying to like make his name on the back of this which is is very american isn't it i mean yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's also um, it's just that thing like, dodgy just for context like you know this happened in the uh, the Houston Texans at RG Stadium so it is Texas but uh, just in terms of the political stuff, I would note that Michael Bennett, Michael Bennett has a new book coming out this year called Things That Make White People Uncomfortable. So... <laughs> Is it just pictures of Michael Bennett? Mm. <laughs> there, 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 there was an interesting little bit to the story as well, though, that his brother, uh, the, the day that this news broke, his brother announced his retirement to kind of balance the news a little bit and take some focus off. But uh, yeah, like I said, we'll, we'll bring up any updates that come up, but this doesn't seem like anything other than a load of kind of puffing up chests at the moment. New England safety drawn Harmon uh, is a smart boy. He decided to go down to Costa Rica for a holiday, but was afraid he couldn't get drugs there. So he, so he decided to bring a load of marijuana and drug paraphernalia with him. Uh, hidden inside like spray cans is it like yeah. like maybe he just watched Jurassic Park the week beforehand <laughs> was like oh that's a great idea um, so there's no arrest but the NFL might discipline him for it smart boy uh, good 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 defensive backfield there Costa Rican uh, you know uh, you know border police are presumably a lot more uh, polite than American yeah. <laughs> they're probably like. Oh, okay. Well, sorry, sir. I'm afraid you're going to have to go back with your drugs <laughs> yeah. and your paraphernalia. <laughs> mm. uh, Vontes Burfett is facing, is apparently his very first one of these, which is a bit surprising, four-game suspension for PED violation. This has a big knock-on effect to itself, as there is a clause in this contract that means that they can't get out of it now, and he could lose up to $11 million in guaranteed money. Do we think Cincinnati are going to cut bait, or no? Like, I think he is probably still one of their better defensive players, even though he's a pain in the neck and a bit of a douche. It is Cincinnati. They tend to hold on to people much longer than they should. Um, but yeah, I think it is kind of hilarious. Like we, I think I've talked previously about the idea of like picking up suspensions in different areas to avoid large suspensions. Mm. But this perfect <laughs> seems to be like taking that game theory to its highest level. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! And uh, Carolina linebacker Thomas Davis has uh, received a four-game ban for banned substance usage. Uh, this is a two-time Walter Payton of the uh, Man of the Year winner. Uh, he got out in front of it before this was announced. He actually had a two and a half minute video put out on his uh, Instagram and all the social media to to explain it. Uh, apparently, he says he was unaware that what he was using was banned. He said that he's been using this the same stuff, same regimen, same supplements, and everything for years, uh, which is also surprises. I think it's been mentioned in a couple of other uh, talk shows and stuff that like this happens a little bit where there's a 26 page long list of banned substances, and it's very confusing that someone who's been in the league for this long, who has presumably had several tests before now, that this thing has never shown up previously for him. Um, but yeah, he's going to take his four game ban. I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing for someone of his age to maybe have to only play 12 games instead of play 16, right? Yeah, well, I mean, there is that element of it. It might not be quite so good for Carolina. But, like, Thomas Davis is 200 years old. Of course he's on steroids. Right? <laughs> <laughs> hardly surprising. The banned substance thing, that excuse that he uses, so many players use this, always blows my mind because it's like, you are insanely rich. You can afford to pay a doctor... To go, through, to, to go through all the stuff you're taking and be like, is this okay? Like, it just doesn't wash. And like you say, players know what they're doing. If he's never popped for it before, either the NFL's testing regimen is terrible, which it partially is the case, or he's just magic. So, yeah, it, it's very blatant that this is a lie. 
He's not the first player to use this lie. He won't be the last. It's disappointing given that he's supposedly one of the you know the high character or whatever you want to call it players. Mm-hmm. But like half the fucking league is on steroids. Like yeah, like eh, all, all, we know it's, it's like it's, whack a mole with the steroids. Exactly. Like, yeah. It's just it's just that he got caught with it. Um, just a quick roundup of other bits. Uh, Corey Legit suspended for four games for PED. Jalen Collins, 10-game ban for his fourth PED uh, catch. And Trevane Boykin arrested on domestic violence incident and has been released by the Seattle Seahawks. Roundup of controversy corner safety Eric Reed has claimed that he's been blackballed uh, due to the national, prote- uh, national anthem protests. Uh, a number of other people are citing the fact that a lot of safeties are sitting on the market still and there doesn't seem to be much of a market for them uh, I would side with the fact that he is probably getting blackballed to an extent there, there is an element of this safety market is slow but I think he is a good player he's a young enough player and he really should have a job at this point yeah I, I agree with you on that I think all the safety draft class is so strong but, but like players teams don't like taking risks and I mean you've got a player of his quality there mm. you'd think he would get an, an offer even if it might not be a very good one given what the market's at now apparently he's had a visit with Cincinnati which I think is even more proof that he's being punished by the league <laughs> if the only place he's going to play is Cincinnati well, at least Cincinnati won't get rid of him if they actually do sign him <laughs> that's true once you're in you're in for life mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Jones has paid 2 million to settle his, the costs for the Ziggy Elliott scandal uh, that he didn't give any money towards like, yeah, uh, just coincidence. <laughs> so, look, just just to put this to rest, just so you don't look at the financials. Here's two million. Um, Definitely good, not a good man, Jerry. Good man. Uh, on to some other bits. Uh, Joe Thomas has decided to retire. He, he had his eleven seasons with Cleveland. Uh, great player. Sad career. Yep, pretty much um, eleven thousand consecutive snaps of misery. Um, but look. Mm. He clearly, even before the injury, he was. (laughs) (laughs) Very good, very good. Um, Like clearly, even before this uh, year, before the injury, if you looked at like the way he was dealing on social media, he was obviously like angling for a post football career in the media, and he's got his podcast and everything now. So it seemed Mm. like this was going to happen in the near future. The injury, I think, just made it an easier decision for him than it would have been otherwise. Uh, it's a shame he's a Hall of Fame caliber player who mm-hmm. has won like five games in his career. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's really it's sad. A, one of the historic wastes of talent in the NFL, and it's it's really sad that he won't get anything out of it. Cleveland um, ever do somehow manage to win a Super Bowl, I imagine they will just give him a ring. Yeah. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, just a great player who just was, was wasted for his entire career on a team that just was not very good. Ever. Yeah, running back Danny Woodhead has retired after 10 seasons. Again, kind of nice career there. I don't think we're looking at anything kind of gold jackety here, but uh, very solid. Got to be a lot a lot more frozen over fields with all that grit gone <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh, Martellus Bennett as we mentioned is retired after 10 seasons uh, Richie Incognito has decided uh, that he's tired of bullying and he is done he's going to go for after 12 seasons really 12 seasons according to NFL.com he's the world's oldest baby Wow. Uh, Zach Strife, CJ Fedorowicz, Paul Bozlewski, and Joe Berger. We actually discussed this. Joe Berger has been 13 seasons, and we're like, who the fuck is Joe Berger? <laughs> I've never heard of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's remarkable. What achievement. Yeah. He was one of your renta centers, um, uh, basically. Well, if I can get thir- 13 seasons flying under the radar and like still having a job, so that's pretty, mm, pretty impressive. That's pretty itself, good. Like, yeah. And uh, New Orleans owner uh, Tom Benson died at the age of 90 there, uh, so. 
I'm saying, Why is this in the retirement section? Like Tom Benson's it's retired a pretty, it's, from it's, being alive. It's a, it's, a, it's a pretty permanent retirement. Yeah. <laughs> he was sick for a very long time, I think, though, wasn't he? He was, I think, yeah. Um, so the, it's a shame. Yeah. But look to the family and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's so unfortunate. But, you know, 90, it's a good run. Uh, Jerry Jones is never going to die, is he? No, he's never going to die. Uh, extensions, re-signings. Uh, we've got a lot of this into the free agency. We'll just point out one or two of the kind of larger ones. Uh, Tampa Bay have extended wide receiver Mike Evans. Five years, 82.5 million, 55 million of that guaranteed. Uh, they've also locked down Cameron Brait, six years, 41 millions, and Brent Grimes, one year, 10 million. Oh, and they also brought in uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick as well. So that makes sure that... Uh, I believe that means Jameis Winston is going to get injured because isn't, isn't that what always happens with Fitzpatrick that the person gets injured Fitzpatrick then looks good and then gets himself a starter contract well, next the year the difference is that Fitzpatrick Winston got injured Fitzpatrick came in looked awful and then got re-signed as a backup it's remarkable it is surprising yeah uh, maybe he was just choking on all those W's he was eating <laughs> Oh, Jameis is a very naughty boy so who should be in prison. Anyway. That's a good lockdown of the, the tight end and wide receiver combo locked in for the next couple of years. So they obviously think they're happy with that for their building. Uh, we, we think yeah. these good moves. Yeah, even though Tampa Bay were a bit of a mess last year, I don't think that was due to Mike Evans and Cameron Brace. They both have been solid contributors. I'm not sure about a six-year contract. <laughs> There's no such thing as a six-year contract in the NFL, but... Uh, good for Cameron Bray. He's got like you know, considering how many how few long term contracts are going around, you might as well make a make a day of it. Uh, but Mike Evans, you know, considering what we just saw in free agencies, we'll discuss later for free agent wide receivers, this doesn't seem that unreasonable uh, for someone who has had consistent production. Like last year, he wasn't great, but he still got over a thousand yards, I believe, or near a thousand mm-hmm. yards. And there's no reason to believe that there should be any major regression. Like my biggest issue with Mike Evans is they usually just look better when he's being fed the ball consistently, almost like a, like when he's being fed the ball consistently uh, and other receivers are ignored. Um, not necessarily a good thing for someone like James Whitten, who is very much willing to do so. Yeah, no, of course. New England, or sorry, New Orleans made a few moves. Uh, QB Drew Brees has signed with them two years, fifty million, twenty-seven million guaranteed. Uh, and Alex Okafor, two years, ten million, and fullback Zach Line uh, for two years. So I think, like we said in the previous podcast, we were all expecting Rubies to, to be there. Uh, he got decent money. Apparently, he was offered a lot more money to go elsewhere. Uh, he actually apologized for not taking it because, as we said, NFL Players Association understands the average contract stuff. But uh, like, it just makes sense. Like, why would it, he needs all that money given that he just lost yeah. whatever, like four and a half million on a <laughs> ring. Good God, who buys like like who the who did he fuck on the side that he had to buy an $8 million ring as an apology? Yeah, he lost his Super Bowl ring was trying to replace him. <laughs> yeah, no, there's absolutely no surprise here. Look, he's going to retire a Saint. Any part of him that was considering leaving, I think the turnaround that that team is having, particularly defensively in the post-Rob Ryan era, made mm-hmm. it a no-brainer. This is a team that can compete. This is a team that now no longer, with that running back situation we have, is no longer dependent on Breeze to single-handedly mm-hmm. drag them as far as he can. Yeah. And to be honest with you, looking at where he could have gone in free agency, the New Orleans were probably the best chance of a ring, another ring for him. So it, it absolutely makes yeah, sense. It's and a, it's like, a stack in the roster they've yeah, got. Yeah, and 50 million over two years is nothing to sniff at. Does no harm for his Hall of Fame, you know, 
uh, speeches and all that, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. getting the yeah. suitable amount of adulation when he retires. Yeah, I was offered more, but it's at his stakes. I have belief in this team. Blah, blah, blah. Chicago uh, locked down Kyle Fuller, four years, fifty-six million, with eighteen million guaranteed. They had put the transition tag on him, and uh, Green Bay put an offer out on him at that point. I, I still think they mishandled this entirely, uh, but hey, who knows? And they've also locked down Prince Amukamara for three years and twenty-seven million, kind of sealing out what that backfield is going to look like for the next couple of years. Uh, I like the Fuller signing. I think they mishandled it. Prince Amukamara could be good, could be bad. I'm not sure how much he like. I'm not sure how much faith I put into it but I suppose if you trust in Kyle Fuller Mukamara is a good second corner to have there like Fuller is a player with very high upside hasn't necessarily always shown it but I think when they put on their transition tag if they let him walk it probably wouldn't have looked great for a team that's trying to build around a young quarterback like they have a young quarterback on a rookie contract this is the time where you can afford to keep your players unless you're really fucking up yeah this is the time you go full Rams right mm. Uh, which I'm sure we will discuss shortly Mm -hmm. Um, there's lots more we're not going to go through them all Uh, in fact I'm probably not going to go through any of them because we'll roll most of the important ones into our review of the free agency so let's just go and do that yeah you you have one other note here according to this sheet Derek Shelby signed for Atlanta for minus one year oh wow Uh, who's he he giving the year to (laughs) that's the mystery interesting to be fair this, this, this like sheet we're using has about 5,000 words on it so yeah there's a lot on it there's going to be mistakes so we'll hop on to the free agency review we'll kind of put a lot of stuff into here for moves there's a lot of trade moves and stuff like that that have happened so we'll kind of go through some winners and losers so far so uh, we'll start with a winner Uh, the most obvious one is probably Kirk Cousins he changed the game as some would say for quarterback contracts in the league after backing himself on the on the franchise tags for the last couple of years and making a boatload of money he's now gone out looked at the market and decided no I want a three year fully guaranteed contract so now he's getting all the money guaranteed so he can go in and decide during training camp that actually he wants to go and build churches in Africa and he will still get, I think, is it $83 million? Over the next three years, yes. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, So gets to join a playoff contender, has a very good defense, very good running back core. It's an interesting offense. I think they're changing offensive coordinator, but they've got Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph uh, all sitting there and Cook to, to, to be his weapons. This was, I think, what we said we think we all agree this is probably the best landing spot for him uh, he's gotten a lovely deal out of it and he also gets if he performs to re-up in three years time I can't see anything that's gone wrong for him here this is exceptional right? yeah like this is you know if you back your if you believe in yourself kids you can achieve anything like be a top 10 quarterback and get paid the most money of all time um, and it's kind of you know, the biggest, well, the implicit loser of all this is the uh, Mzungus who, you know, seemingly mishandled this in the maximum way possible. And now an NFC rival, well, well the Mzungus already challenged, but like, <laughs> the, Minnesota, the, the Minnesota Vikings have got what they want. Like last year, they did very good things with Case Keenum, but now I think with Kirk Cousins, if, like, if you're, like, I don't know if Kirk Cousins is someone who could necessarily carry a team by himself. But coming into this team, where the job is to take advantage of the, you know, who's the best player available, who's open, and you have players like Thielen and Diggs and Rudolph who are good mismatches if they're one-on-one, I think it's just the perfect case for Kirk Cousins. And I think it instantly jumps Minnesota to being like, you know, either the first, second uh, favorite from the NFC to compete in the Super Bowl. 
Um, so, and yeah, you get all that money. You get another chance to buy. You get another chance to get more money in a couple of years. Yeah, just yeah, fair play, man. Stack roster, <laughs> well paid contender, fantastic stuff. Uh, we'll go to the other side of the coin. A uh, loser. Who do we want to guess is the biggest loser so far? I'm going to say Miami Dolphins. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about Miami Dolphins, Harry? Uh, we, we, we've decried not knowing what the living fuck they are doing, but I this is just... love supporting a team that plays in the AFC East that isn't the Dolphins or the Bills <laughs> or the Jets. Like, I mean, this is a, every year they get worse. Like, this is... Like, they looked like they were trying to, you know, build something, and it was like, okay, it's important to put a, a hold for a year with Jay Cutler and with Tannehill out, but we'll get Tannehill back, and then we'll start resuming the thing uh, under Adam Gase. And then it's just like, okay, Jarvis Landry's gone, best receiver's gone. Uh, and Damakon Sue's gone, that's the best defensive lineman. And uh, Pouncey, who was, uh, he wasn't their best defensive lineman, but he was, like, he was an arsehole, but he was pretty good. That's gone. Then they bring in, like, Robert Quinn. Like, there's a reason that the Rams, who are stacking up for this huge run, are like, oh, we actually don't need him. He's ex surplus requirements. Mm-hmm. He's a player who's, like, good in spots, is probably a little bit past his best. And. Miami, you're like, yeah, no, 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 it's grand. We need another pass rusher. Can, 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 we need another can we just add situational little, pass rusher? Just, just, just to give you more context to it, they decide, right, we'll take Robert Quinn, we'll get rid of Sue, but we'll still pay $22 million yeah, to Sue the, off our cap this well, year. Well, I mean, look, the, the whole... Like, teams just don't do well on the cap when they get rid of Sue. Like, I think the short <laughs> lines are still paying for him. So it's, it's a mess. And you're bringing in, like... Danny Amendola, who, God, I love Danny, but he's not going to get you more than a couple of hundred yards a season. He's a role player. He like, plays well in the playoffs, and you're not going to the playoffs. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, this is it. like Frank Gore, again, a player I love, but like... Albert Wilson. Like, like, see, well, well, I'm coming to Albert Wilson. Um, <laughs> Albert Wilson, who's a player I don't love, he's rubbish. Um, but player it's like, I it's constantly refer to as a loaf of bread, because <laughs> yes, I couldn't the, remember his name. He have signed the loaf of bread. <laughs> but like, Gore, he's gone back to Miami, which is where he came from. Miami, this is where running backs go to die. This is where no Sean Moreno and Adri- Adrian Foster went to die. Like, this is not a good place for all that. The, the team is getting older, it's got less explosive. Gore is essentially a swap for Jai at this point. Yep. And like, that's... Like, I love Gore, but he's not as good a player as Ajayi at this point. He doesn't bring the same explosiveness and game-changing, so he's very, very solid. It's weird. It's like a team in holding pattern when it needs to be... When it's, like, moving towards the back of a window and it's just getting older and worse. Tannehill will come back, but if Tannehill goes down again... Brock Lobster time! Exactly. Brock Lobster time. Like, I don't even know if that's (laughs) an upgrade from Jay Cutler. I don't think it is. Like, it's really... Or Matt Moore, even. Like. Really weird. Yes, Matt Moore is better than Brock Osweiler. I could put that. It's really weird. Like, this is a team that has been, for the last few years, being like, we are one or two pieces away from pushing the Patriots, and at times have looked like it. And after doing all of this, and making all of these investments, and being like, okay, it's on hold, but we're going to come back next year and make a push for it, they get rid of their best players, they spend a load of money on mediocre players, I don't understand what they're doing, and whether or not the management has maybe just run out of faith in Gase, and it's just like, oh, fuck it, we don't want to be bothered rebuilding if we're going to be firing our coach in a year or two it doesn't make sense like Adam Gates did like an interview on the uh, one of the NFL.com podcasts and he just sounded like sad to me he didn't wasn't having any fun right now sounds like a guy who got fucked over by his front office because they're doing random shit or the cap didn't work or something and it's now being basically kind of sounds like he's almost an execution row at this point and yeah, I, I, this team looks like it's going to have a very down year. Uh, the only reason that they might pick up wins is because the other two teams, the AFC, AFCs besides the Patriots, are going full rebuild at the moment. Yeah, like I just, I, I just don't know. Like, I, blow it up or try and go for it. Don't 
kind of do a little bit of both and just shit yourself staring at the toilet. Like, it's just... <laughs> like, I don't know what they're trying to do. And then, like, even even with the QB situation, they're now, they're now stuck because, like, any chance they had of maybe moving up to get someone or someone following them, with the Jets move that I'm sure we'll discuss very shortly, like, that means that they're not going to have someone at that spot and there's no one to trade up to that they're going to be able to, to, to move into. Like, they're just stuck with no direction. It's just, ah, right. We'll move on from the Dolphins. We'll go to another po- positive message. It's on positive message. Uh, if you like trades, this has been an excellent, excellent uh, off-season so far. So we've seen all types of trades. We've seen players moving. We've seen picks moving. We're just, ab- absolutely everything is on the go. We've seen, like, the LA Rams are just deciding, fuck it, let's just stack everything into the next two years and hope for the best. We see, like, oh, it, it, it's phenomenal. We've had... People on rookie contracts being shifted. So Marcus Peters trade, obviously, as we discussed beforehand. We have YRs being, sorry, WRs being shifted for first round picks. We have huge amount of money being paid. Like, this has been very... What's your favourite trade so far? Oh, for, for the players ones, I still personally like the Peters one. I thought that was still the best value one, getting in early. Um, but I think what's interesting is like is how many trades and how many different levels are happening on as well you know like typically you might expect New England to be doing lots of small ones whatever like that but just all of these ones happening at once it's really exciting and it shows that teams like whereas previous teams might have been hold the player or cut the player having this trade option just means that teams are able to move things around and you know the growing cap means there's just a bit more excitement in the off season I suppose with all the trades we had even before this podcast there is no off-season after the Super Bowl anymore because these trades are getting announced so often. Yeah, every week there's a new surprise. Yeah, and even like this is the thing as well. Like it makes it more exciting because given the amount of trades and given the the, the like we say like top end players that are being moved, like we now have to give a lot more credence to random things like the Odell Beckham rumors and stuff because fuck it, it could definitely happen. Looking at like, well, I don't think that one will happen, but like things like that could legitimately happen. Whereas previously we would just laugh them off as just being, well, it's silly season, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 going to be very interesting, and even things like New England now have a couple of, I think, you have four picks in the first two rounds, and the question is like, is that going to be to to build? Is that going to be to move up? Is that going to be to you know get up, get that first pick off the Browns and take the long snapper uh, <laughs> out of Rutgers, <laughs> like you know. <laughs> Not even the top graded one, but Bill's got a yeah, Bill's got an inside line yeah. on it. Like it's odd. Oh, it's it's great crack. It's it's given us a lot more fun. And like I said, there's there's and like while it's all happening, you have the Jets and the Buffalo Bills making these aggressive pushes to get up on the draft as well. That's more typical, but these are all like these ones are happening right now, and the the draft is even more exciting because of this same trade tsunami happening right now. Teams, I think teams have seen what New England are doing, what Philadelphia did. Uh, even what the Seahawks were doing a few years ago and they're going we want to get in that we want to show some action and doing the whole boring Green Bay style no free agents draft only stuff doesn't work anymore you got to get out there you got to move every angle and you got to, to make be a success in the NFL these days yeah another uh, group who's not having such a great time free agent safety as we mentioned earlier uh, about Eric Reid and this is not just true of himself true of a number of other ones uh, even though there's quite a number of ones there and people are saying it's a strong draft you would expect a few more to have found jobs or at least to have offers coming in even players the likes of Morgan Burnett are getting 5 million per year and that was after a bit of a hanging around like the Honey Badger had to take a one year prove it deal this is 
this is bizarre. I, I'm surprised as well because I was half expecting the Chiefs to go after one of these as well at this point. But I'm wondering if a lot of teams are holding out until after the draft to see what's there and see what they've managed to pick up. But if you're if you're looking at the NFL, if you're a if you're a high school player trying to decide how you project into it, if you're going to be that level of athlete, you would be you would be running in the opposite direction from being a safety at this point because it's just looking like a position that's becoming less and less valuable. Even though it's a position that's very important to a lot of defensive schemes, people just seem to be flat out refusing to pay them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think the the biggest squeeze is happening on pure safeties. I think you know in Eric Reed's case, they tried to move him to linebacker. Uh, you've seen some like Mark Barron, for example, make that transition. I just think like th- like even though we're moving to more nickel and dime defenses, players are looking for either ones who can fit in as like a semi cornerback or can move in as a semi linebacker. And maybe these guys who are more specialised are losing out because of that. Yeah, uh, we'll go. Actually, look, we'll, we'll try and finish on a positive note. So we'll start with a, with a, with a third kind of losers so far. Uh, this one will probably be focused a little bit in on you. We've decided that the losers are going to be Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. Now, you can look at this two ways. This can either be exodus of talent from the teams themselves, there not being a huge amount of development, although I suppose there's a plus, Tom Cable doesn't work for you anymore. Like, Or you've got the fact that uh, your division is looking like fucking buzzsaw at this point. Uh, like, Harry, if I was to say to you now, looking at that division, uh, how would you rank it? Um, right now, you probably have to go Rams... San Fran, Seattle, and then, like, I mean, there's a big drop down to Seattle, mm. and then Arizona, like, somewhere at the bottom of a tar pit, somewhere mm. near Glendale. Yeah, now, given give this is, a, this is a, an audio medium, I'll say, it started quite high, it went a little bit down, it dropped a good bit, and then Harry was trying to, like, grope the floor yeah. with the last <laughs> yeah. one. Um, which would be interesting. Uh, how do you feel about this, Fitz? Like, do you, do you still think, like, in Wilson we trust, or are you starting to get very worried? Like I think because like Seahawks still have talented players um, like Earl Thomas hopefully, um, but Bobby Wagner and Russell Wilson are going to be there. KJ Wright. I don't think Seattle are going to turn into a bad team, but I think in a such a competitive division in the NFC West, but also with the NFC being such a competitive conference overall, it's very it's hard to see what route they have to getting to the playoffs again with these kind of losses. They're going to have to rebuild the secondary. They have Shaq Griffin there. He had a good rookie year, but he's no Richard Sherman based on what we saw. Uh, and then they're trying to replace all these offensive weapons. Like you're losing 10 touchdowns at to Jimmy Graham. You're losing all those spectacular clip catches from Paul Richardson. You're missing that pass rush from uh, from Michael Bennett. It's just a lot of production that you're going to have to replace through uh, like lots of bit parts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the only hope that I have is that like, you know, the Seattle Seahawks that we got a few years ago were built on like a lot of like a lot of transition always compete all that kind of stuff with fewer kind of entrenched players maybe that can become more relevant because you know Richard Sherman talked about the fact that the Pete Carroll thing kind of wears off after a few years because it's a big college level yeah. maybe if you're dealing with like one year proven veterans and college players again you can reignite that spark but I don't know if that can happen if you still have those veterans like Wilson and and Thomas on the team as well. And as for Arizona, uh, Sam No Knees Bradford continues to get paid like a starting quarterback, and is going to be protected by DJ Humphreys and Andre Smith. I was going to say like I, I I would only change like the, the the biggest loser in this to being Sam Bradford's knees, like because he's in a division where twice this year he has to line up against Sue well and Aaron Donalds on a defensive line. These are very well paid, so they're not losing that much. But, like you'd, um, you'd think he'd just be able to like go and pay some homeless people for their like Achilles tendons, just strap up his knees with a couple of extra ACLs and MCLs, you know? 
not how medicine works, Connor. Look, I understand a lot about medicine. It's basically Legos, but fleshy. <laughs> right? Harris. Oh, my God. Arizona are likely like the problem with Arizona is they still have David Johnson, so they'll probably win too many games to get the number one pick. But uh, yeah, they're going to be in a lot of scrappy games, I imagine. Yeah. Not very much fun to watch, especially losing players like Honey Badger as well on the defense. I don't know. It could be fun to watch if you like teams dropping a fifty burger on Arizona. Yeah, be interesting. More, more six six games, please. <laughs> no. Now back on today to the positive ones. Kind of the opposite end of the of the free agent safeties. We've got the free agent wide receivers. They are all getting paid. This has come after a couple of years where you're not seeing a huge amount in the market. Uh, kind of high end potential like either WR1s or people who believe have the upside to become them are getting paid a lot so we've got Alan Robinson and Sammy Watkins getting about 15 to 16 million per year uh, on multi-year contracts you've got kind of secondary wide receivers like Paul Richardson and Marquise Lee still getting paid 10 11 12 million per year uh, and then even like your older wide receivers your kind of Jordy Nelson's your Crabtree's getting paid good money by the way I fucking love the team that Oakland Raiders are putting together. Not that I think it's a good team, more that I'm really happy they're in our division. <laughs> it's uh, it's just looking yeah. like John Gruden has decided these are names who were relevant back when I coached and I want to go and get them together. Jordy Nelson's getting paid an obscene amount of money for someone who had such poor production. Yeah. Well, well, John Gruden doesn't believe in replay, so perhaps he doesn't watch old tape. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, it's like whatever I remember from the booth, that'll do. Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's a good time to be a wide receiver, isn't it? It is. I think there's a lot of wide receiver needy teams. I mean, we've seen last season teams like Baltimore trying to struggle on with no no wide receivers effectively, mm. and a lot of teams very dependent on one player. And like you had a lot of teams where it's just there's a, a, a wide receiver one, and then there's a bunch of kind of meh behind it I think mm-hmm. like the Chiefs would be even a, a prime example of that Yeah. Um, so I think there, there was definitely going to be a market I'm a little surprised how much guys like like Jordy Nelson in particular uh, Danny Amendola would be another example or even Crabtree have been able to get, get just yeah. from being like hey we might still have something left in the tank I mentioned before and I know Ronan disagree with me on this I hate the amount of money Paul Richardson is being paid just from a perspective of I don't think he's that good I probably put Lee and, and Watkins in the same categories and they are overpaid for what they are uh, with, with Alan Robinson it's like you know he's better with, he was in, in a bad situation you put him in a better situation he will be better so that's the kind of idea behind it but it does feel like there's a lot of retreads a lot of reaches a lot of kind of desperation I think part of it is that this is in the opposite sense of safeties where teams feel there's a lot of depth in the class that there just isn't that much upcoming in the in the wide receiver class right now yeah I've heard terrible rankings about those yeah so teams are panicking and I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing guys being overpaid or guys who wouldn't normally get signed mm. until after the draft simply because the other guys are going. And when you look at, like, even, for example, like trick shot players like Tyler Gabriel going at this point in the process, mm-hmm. it does seem very early. Yeah. Yeah. But, but shout out to the two, you know, people who seem to have missed out on the look Terrell Pryor and Jordan Matthews taking one year, very, fairly low deals. And of course, the doing the Patriots pickup problem. Like, Jordan Matthews is probably going to have a great season with Tom Brady this year. Uh, replacing Amendola probably in the playoffs mm. um, so shout out to those two guys who somehow managed, managed to miss the rush of all this money going to they might, they might want to serviceable like, receivers they might want to just like try and call our agents and fire them or something like that so yeah another one to add to the mix as well is like Brandon Cooks who just got traded for another first rounder to uh, to the Texans 
or sorry, to uh, to the Rams. They're already lining up a long-term deal for him. One of the reasons that he was traded, they reckon, is because the New England Patriots are never going to pay him the amount that he was looking to be paid. And they, the, the, the Rams seem happy to say that they are doing that because like, they, they spent their second-round pick on Watkins last year and they spent their first-round pick on Cook this year. So they kind of want to get one of these guys locked down long-term or that's a lot of capital to be spending for one-year rentals. Yeah, and Landry's in the same similar situation in Cleveland. Now. Yeah, uh, but Cleveland have all the money in the world, and they don't have you know a stacked roster full of quick hires to have to try and pay in the next two years. Mm. Uh, well, not yet. Anyway, uh, we'll have a look through a couple of the other notable players and moves from uh, things that we haven't either discussed already or discussed on previous podcasts. Case Keenum is getting himself paid two years, thirty-six million from Denver. Uh, this is like Denver are really flailing at this point to try and sort out the quarterback situation. Is this just because? John Elway is terrified about picking someone in the first round of being a bust again. I think it's an element yeah. of that, although also the rumours that Den- there's all the rumours flying around over the last week that Denver were looking at picking a quarterback in the first round again, which would just be you know, Beautiful. I, 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 I realised that the, the visual of me kissing my fingers would be lost on the audio, <laughs> but that was all I was doing. Oh um, no, it would probably give us a really, really disgusting sound on the audio. Beautiful, I think, as somebody who doesn't particularly like that organisation. This one's for John! Yes, exactly. Yeah, fuck those guys. Um, John Elway is like, a terrible GM. I think, yes, I think we can agree that. I mean, the Case Keenum signing, like, we know that Case Keenum is a decent quarterback, but this is a lot of money. And it's, I know it's the market and so on, but this doesn't feel like a move for the future. This is a lot of money for a bridge quarterback, and that's what Case Keenum is at this point. It's implausible to me that Denver really see him as the future, because if they was, they would have signed him for more than two years. Yeah, that's But that's it. a hell of a lot of money for a bridge, so this seems like it's locking up a lot of money in something that you don't think is going to get you to the next level, so it's going to be more difficult for mm. you to get to the next level. And this is, I agree with you, this is bad GMing. Yeah, and like I said, because it, it feels like a holding pattern for the two years to say they get someone else in to be their future, their answer at that point. That means that you're literally paying someone and paying all your kind of high-end defensive players to not make runs. So you're paying the you're paying the bill of a championship defense while leaning into the fact that you're not going to be able to provide that on offense I think the biggest issue is, is that you know it was very obvious they were, in, they were in for Kirk Cousins, but now they keep trying to pretend that Case Keenum was the choice all along. And considering that their own players were going out there angling, yeah. we need to bring Kirk Cousins in. It just makes the whole like it just makes John Elway look like an idiot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not exactly a bad thing. No, it's not at all. Uh, running backs, a couple of ones got just, uh, the the biggest one is probably Jared Kinnan got a four year, thirty million dollar deal from San Francisco. Uh, so they're moving away from Hyde. Decided McKinnon is the answer. Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, McKinnon is a freak athlete. We know his measurables are off the charts, but he's never proven that he's a three down back. I don't really get this move from San Fran, um, but I've proven very wrong by some of San Fran's other moves, but. It, it does seem like they're signing him as a bell cow, and we've never really seen from McKinnon, even this season when um, Cook went down, that he could be a bell cow. Uh, and I don't think they have anyone on that roster who can be. Maybe they're thinking Joe Williams coming back off IR might be able to do that, but mm-hmm. then it's still a lot of money to pay for a guy who's going to be a complimentary piece, so I'm not sure what the game is here. Poor Carlos Hyde shipped off to Cleveland. Obviously, that's just, yeah, poor yeah. Carlos Hyde. It's interesting, actually, just one, one that I noticed a much more below the radar one, uh, Jeremy Hill signed by New England. So are New England now just taking old Bengals running backs? Is like, that just the plan? Yeah. I mean, we have about 500 running backs on the roster at this point. They're all like <laughs> on a one minute. Like, I assume two or three of these guys will not make it out of camp. Yeah, no, of course, of course. I think it's just a little, there's a lot of sort of tire kicking on to see what's left. Mm. And we've seen it work with guys like, for example, 
uh, like Art Blunt or Stephen Ridley who have done really well in their stint in New England and then struggled elsewhere yeah so, the, so like when, when he left last year and won a Super Bowl against you that was a real struggle yeah yeah, well, no, I mean, that, look, that was different. <laughs> look, no, Blunt, Blunt was good in Philadelphia, but again, it was part of a as part of a very Tandem, crowded yeah. backfield, and also I was more referring to his times in Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. Yeah, no, no, of course, we're just taking the piss. I know. Uh, Why does he? Bernard, Gio Bernard is confirmed to go to. <laughs> The New England Patriots next year. Yeah, yeah, we get the lot. Well, yeah, that's it. <laughs> we kind of discuss the wide receivers. Uh, a lot of them just getting paid a lot of money. Alan Robinson, Sammy Watkins, all that kind of stuff, all getting about forty-five to fifty million dollars each. Uh, it's a lot, a lot. You're right, actually. Paul Richardson was paid a shit lot of money. Um, tight end is a bit more interesting. We haven't talked about these guys. Uh, Jimmy Graham is signed with Green Bay, three years, thirty million dollars. Apparently, New Orleans were trying to get him back for a reunion. Uh, they couldn't manage that one. This will be an interesting one. He's lost a lot of it, but he's still a red zone. Target. We saw, as you said, yeah. the ten touchdowns or whatever last year. Uh, this would be a nice target, I think, for uh, for Rogers. Yeah, like I think you know, I think Graham has definitely lost lost a step in the open field, but I think a good offensive coordinator should be able to take advantage of the obvious mismatches you still provide. You still saw like someone like Gonzalez could make plays even late in his career. Yeah, and you know, like three for thirty million, it's probably still a bit expensive for a tight end. But I think Green Bay were trying to make a few statements in this free agency period their new GM that they weren't just going to sit in their hands and deal with that yeah the statement um, is so that I, we know what free agency is <laughs> <laughs> anyone digging you know anyone catching balls from Aaron Rodgers should have a good time uh, <laughs> uh, Trey Burton also got a for Chicago got a four year $32 million they're really locking in the tight end position I think presumably just to try and assist the rookie quarterback there uh, new head coach coming out of the Andy Reid system presumably some kind of West Coast spread thing that's probably a nice pick up there uh, just to lock that in and have a bit of stability for the young guy yeah yeah I mean Burton's kind of not outstanding, um, but he does. He did throw a pass in the Super Bowl, so what do I know? Yeah, it's true. Uh, that's it's going to be running Chicago special all the time. <laughs> uh, well, it just depends on how the how Trubisky develops. Uh, Andrew Norwell, the guard, went to Jacksonville five years, sixty six point five million with thirty million guaranteed, and uh, Nate Solder to New York Giants, four years, sixty two million dollars. God, that's a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, linemen get paid. I mean, check your investment. Although God knows what, who the fuck. New York Giants will be trotting out under centre by week six, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Weird one. Uh, like a couple of edge rushers, nothing too big in there. Uh, interior line we mentioned sorry, already. No, sorry, some of these men are very big. They are quite <laughs> large. They're <laughs> large, <laughs> but are they substantial? <laughs> the only the only edge rusher who made it to market who is anyway interesting was Vinnie Curry after being cut by the Phil- well, he regrets to be cut by the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, but I think as we noted in the preview. Yeah, there, there wasn't there wasn't anything to pick up on these people. No, no. Uh, interior defense line, Sue was probably the biggest one here. Rams got him for a one-year $14 million, uh, after he got cut by Miami. So he's getting paid two-thirds of what he's already getting paid for the team he's not playing for, which is uh, it's a good get if you can get it. Um, but yeah, this is an interesting one. It's obviously a one-year rental. Uh, Sue wants to prove that he can play. He was looking and shopping himself but this is I think a combo of probably close to the best money he might have gotten offered one or two million more from other people but this is obviously the best place he can showcase his talents to be able to get another deal at I think next year he'll be 32 yeah so uh, I'm, I'm fucking terrified of that Rams game that Rams game in Mexico with the Chiefs is going to be fucking nuts oh, be mental, isn't Jesus I'll tell you fuck Wembley we should go yeah. to Mexico yeah let's just go to Mexico <laughs> Mexico I think it, it is still interesting to note how much of a premium Sue got over the other guys who 
we talked about like Chip Richardson, Latulale, Poe, uh, and Wilkerson in particular only got five million. Yeah, I think that does show the difference of you know when they think there's like some upside there in terms of getting the quarterback, they're still willing to pay that. And while all those guys are still solid run defenders, I think the biggest issue was that even though they've shown some passers in the past. It's it's a fair few t- years back at this point for all of those guys. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, not a lot in linebackers. Uh, Anthony Hitchens signs with the Chiefs and uh, Avery Williamson signs with the Jets. Duran Davis of the New Orleans Saints. R.I.P. Avery Williamson. Yeah. Uh, cornerbacks, uh, this is a bit interesting. So Malcolm Butler goes to Tennessee on a five-year deal with uh, 61 million, 30 million that guaranteed. Tremaine Johnson to the Jets, five years, 72 million with 34 guaranteed. And uh, Richard Sherman to San Francisco. I think we mentioned the Richard Sherman deal the previous time yeah. with a whole boatload of his incentives and he argued it himself. Uh, this is interesting. So Butler going to Tennessee following his old defensive coach. Uh, what do we take from that? Is it that Bill was behind it all from the get-go? Well, you know, now we have two uh, feeder teams in the... Yeah, there's a lot of them over there. <laughs> South. Yeah, like, I mean, look, after the whole Super Bowl debacle, it was pretty clear that Butler was not going to be a Patriot. Um, like you said, there's the coaching connection, and Tennessee are pretty needy in the defensive backfield. So it's one of those moves that I think just makes sense for everybody. The Patriots mm-hmm. wanted to move on, Butler wanted to move on. Tennessee needed him, and there are people he know, knows in the, in the building. So why not, like... Uh, Butler did struggle last season, but I think we've seen in the past that he can be a CB1 mm-hmm. when he's put in the right situation. Now, whether or not Tennessee is going to be the right situation very much remains to be seen. Obviously, um, it's a, a team with a lot of upside, but has also had some problems yeah. last season, which ultimately got exposed and has had the benefit of playing in um, a, a division where two of the opposing teams were effectively hobbled from the get-go for lack of a quarterback for, for mm-hmm. most of the season. Um, but I don't think it's a bad signing. It is a fair old chunk of money. Yeah. But he showed he can get it done, so it might turn out to be a good signing. And mm. it's he's, he's still spot. young enough yeah. as well that it should be it should be okay because yeah. they can presumably get out of this after three years. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think it's interesting what you say there about uh, fit in terms of what like Dory Jackson is their other CB. Their first like he's also kind of smaller type of cornerback. Uh, so what we saw in New England, Logan Ryan getting a lot of work in terms of taking call over the more physical receivers uh, maybe that's something that uh, Tennessee will be trying to do as well this season in terms of scheme fit yeah uh, the only one that could establish in the lower end ones uh, is EJ Gaines I'm surprised Cleveland one year 4 million I would have thought there would have been a bit more market for him as a CB2 yeah. uh, such as I was expecting again the Chiefs to go after him but also maybe the Raiders a few ones like that that would be looking for that kind of it, I, I would have imagined he would have gotten maybe one year 6 or maybe 2 years 12 with uh, 7 guaranteed or something but yeah but just on the Tremaine Johnson contract, I don't have much to say except for Tremaine Johnson is kind of like the Kirk Cousins of defensive players, tagged multiple times by the Rams, gets paid by mm. the Wazoo, for even though like he's a good cornerback, but he's never really been yeah. an outstanding cornerback. Uh, so well done, Tremaine Johnson. You get $72 million from the Jets. Yeah, that's, that's the difference between him there. and Kirk Cousins, isn't it? It's Kirk Cousins went to a contender, Tremaine Johnson went to the fucking New York Jets. So, yeah. you know... <laughs> We, I think, I think though, I think if we go back, I think we were heavily questioning the use of the uh, franchise tag on him previously. I think we were just saying, well, I think they just want to learn how these things work and just use it for the sake of using it rather than anything else. Uh, with stuff the safety class, there wasn't much there. Uh, special teams, Marquette King has been cut by the Oakland Raiders. Uh, apparently, he's too mouthy. He doesn't fit into John Gruden's scheme. And I'm trying to remember, am I right in saying that he was, he was also drafted by Davis when Gruden was there previously, wasn't he? Because didn't no, 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 no. 
that was the Seabass, uh, C- was that's it? Jay Leckler. Oh, sorry, Leckler. Who's still who was knocking around on the Texans? That's season, that's where I was. King's a bit younger than that. But yeah. King is now signed with Denver, three or seven million. Uh, gets two games a year to kind of take it back against Oakland you know oh those those extra four yards are really going to do the damage but it's also Denver let's be honest is the nicest place for a punter to be because nice thin air lots of hang time so you got lots of work as well with that offence um, yeah I don't get this like yeah he was a bit expensive but he was also a top five punter realistically he was like I think like, he was like number four, four in number four, there you I go. think he was like point seven or point eight of a million more than what the average for punter or for for for, yeah. for, for punters are. So like you're not cool. saving much by comparison to random other one. No, it was weird, and I guess I think the culture move is looking like it was beforehand. I suppose it's easy to make a culture move on your punter, but the real story here is like. And it's sort of fitting fitting into a broader pattern of behaviour that we're seeing that John Gruden might actually have forgotten how to be a football coach. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> it's a good thing he's not locked into the Raiders for a lot of money or a long time or anything like that. Yeah, so yeah. it's fine. They, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It's a good pickup for Denver. He's a good punter. He's a good player. He's young. And uh, what what was the other uh, special teams action that Oakland decided to take? So they cut oh, yes. one of the top punters to save themselves maybe half a million to a million, and then they lock themselves in to the most expensive long snapper in the league, Andrew DePaula. Come on down for your four-year contract. Fucking hell! This is amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, Oakland it, were so it's close. Not even a case and, that Andrew DePaula no. is a special long snapper. His apparently he is like. Only average, although of course, it's very hard to appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to help you, sir. Do their job right. Yeah, oh, this God. is bad. Like, and like, the only thing that would surprise me more is if he had like signed Tony Romo to be the long staffer. Yeah, like I want to pay five million a year to a holder because that's an important position. <laughs> Oh, I don't know. There's lots of people still floating around there. Uh, Kaepernick, obviously, uh, not he's a huge. He's doing well this off season. Yeah, um, running backs we've got DeMarco Murray Adrian Peterson Darren Sproles Freddie Morris a few people like that um, wide receivers you've got your Jeremy Macklins your Eric Deckers uh, tight ends like Julius Thomas Mercedes Lewis it's a bit thinner there uh, offensive line Austin Howard Greg Robinson fucking Luke Jokel Jesus this is a list of uh, this is not good uh, Junior Gallette's still out there Robert Ayers Lamar Houston um Jonathan Hankins, Nick Fairley. Yeah, like there's not a wild pile of Navarro Bowman. There's a lot of names out there and expect that these will not be signed till after the draft so we won't have to talk about them till then and at that point we'll probably be looking at them as camp bodies for a lot of them. Um, Did you see, well, let me specific, RG3 is on a roster. Yes, he is now the backup for Baltimore, is it? Weird. Yeah, it's an interesting one because um, it's also, I'll be honest, it doesn't seem like the style, you know the way that you want someone who can step in and run the same off yeah, I no. don't see that. <laughs> He's like the opposite of Joe Flacco. It's bizarre. Maybe this is John Harbaugh sending a subtle signal about the whole Colin Kaepernick situation last year. It's like I do really like you know running quarterbacks. If only I was allowed to get another one who was better. <laughs> <laughs> like actually, it's an interesting point because. Their long-term backup for Flacco in terms of style was was Tyrod Taylor for a while, and he's again a very different player to Flacco. So I don't know. I guess I, I don't know. I, I, John Harbaugh's a good coach. I don't want to second guess him, but yeah, it is weird. Yeah, um, but yeah, we will pre- presumably now after on our post draft one we'll probably have a look at remaining free agents and where they might fit or team needs that are left at that point. So that's where some of these guys will come in. 
So we're going to move on and have a quick look at the draft prospects, but Jesus, that was a lot of news, so we might actually just, uh, we'll have a look at a couple of the QBs, because I think they're the ones that people are talking about the most, and we will move all of our kind of positional analysis and our mock draft into next week's podcast. I would like to register an objection for our failure to discuss Michael Dixon or Tanner Carew, but moving on. Uh, okay, we will do the QBs and we will do the special teams. Boom. Okay, sorry. Uh, so let's go on to our draft prospects, part one. Okay, so we'll fly through a few of these. We've got, well, I think... The general gist of the quarterback section is there's a top four with a kind of top five with an asterisk. So there's four that people are expecting to be fighting over at the top. And then one who, no one's sure if they'll go sixth or go 16th. So so we're looking at the top five being Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, and uh, Lamar Jackson. So I think the general vibe around this is that all of these guys have very strong sections to their game but a lot of them are not kind of complete players they've all got bits that people aren't sure about be it some of them have accuracy issues some of them have competitive issues some of them have injury concerns things like that um i suppose we'll start with who do we think is going to go top so it's interesting because it's sort of Schrodinger's quarterback situation, isn't it? Where you don't know how good they're going to be until they're picked by the Browns and then they're going to be awful. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling, and I, I don't buy the I don't buy the Josh Allen hype. I know it's he's the one that's trending up. Like I think that the Browns are probably going to go for Darnold. If you're looking for a guy who is the sort of the prototype of a quarterback, who is like all of the bits that should put him in a position to succeed, he's not necessarily the most pro ready of the group, which would mm-hmm. probably be Rosen, but. He's the guy who has perhaps potentially the highest ceiling um, in ter- with also a relatively high floor. That's the kind of move I can see Cleveland making after a lot of swinging and missing mm-hmm. on relatively questionable prospects with very high upsides but also very uh, high downside potential. That strikes, I think they're going to go with this is the most sensible option. This is a guy who we can sit for a bit, develop, work on the mechanics, work on the accuracy issues, but who has all of the bits in place that will just allow us to sort of click those together to make this into a starting quality and potentially top quality quarterback. That's what I see yeah. that move being from Cleveland, but I know there's a lot of buzz around some of the other guys. Yeah. yeah. And I think Sam Darnold, like I think mechanics and stuff like that, I think people are obviously influenced by that, but I think they see what happened with Carson Wentz. If you go back further, you think of someone like Matt Stafford. Like when scouts have seen these intangibles, these special plays that only Sam Darnold has really done in terms of being an actual like, like pocket passer type of quarterback, those are the type of things which I think will push him to the top uh, over the rest of these guys. I think he's just got that. I think scouts love him. People love him. He's got the right attitude. He'll sell like sell jerseys. I think it, you know, if it's a safe pick, it'd be the one I would make if I had the number one pick, uh, which is probably why Cleveland won't do it. <laughs> mm. I think I think it'll be interesting to see, and we'll obviously discuss this in more depth uh, next week. But I think this choice will also show us how in step or how divided the Browns' coaching staff are from the front office, mm. because. Obviously, the coaching staff are going to want someone who maybe not necessarily starts game one, but someone who can step in immediately. So they might want someone like your Rosen to be able to to, 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 to hop in if it's not going great after six games. But is it that this is going to be a lost season with whoever they have at the helm while they wait to ready up someone else to bring in to bring in a new coach to set up the new face of the franchise and everything? So I, I, I don't know. So I think so. we've discussed... Darnold there, we kind of discussed Rosen a little bit, very pro-ready. People wonder about his concussion history because I think he's had two serious concussions so far. Also, apparently he's a millennium and li- millennial and likes to ask the question, why does it work that way? And that's a problem. He's a, he's a liberal he's a Jew. Clinton voter. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen, 
is rocket arm, super physical freak, uh, but is kind of apparently a bit boneheaded sometimes. Uh, Baker Mayfield, again, kind of question of would he transition well to the NFL because he works mostly in spread offenses and stuff. And then the wild card, which is Lamar Jackson, where people are not sure. He's been churning up and down mock drafts around the countries for for months now at this point. What's our what's your take on it? Do you think there's going to be a run enough that he will go top 10? Or do you think that people will let him slip? I, there's enough QB desperate teams that I can see it happening, but you never know You never know how these things are going to pan out on, on draft day. But I think there's... Yeah, I think there's enough teams picking in the top 10 that just really want a quarterback that the pressure will get to them. And I think we'll see quarterbacks being overdrafted. Now, I don't think necessarily means Lamar Jackson will be overdrafted because he could turn out to be quite good, but we don't mm-hmm. know. And I don't know if what he's... In fact, like, I don't think he's the only one. Like, there's several of these quarterbacks. I'm like, I'm not sure I'd be comfortable picking him in the top 10 yeah. on like a purely neutral basis. But I think given the pressure teams are under right now to find a quarterback, mm-hmm. I think it's definitely going to happen. I think Jackson is, is a very much a candidate to go in the top 10. Yeah. No, of course. And there's there's a number of teams who will be looking at potentially moving up. And if he slips to a 9 or a 10, yeah. that's where they'll go, well, this won't cost us as much to get up to as the 6th pick would. Pull the trigger, absolutely. Uh, just just a shout-out to Mason Rudolph, who seems like that. Some team's going to miss out on the quarterback, trade it to like the bottom of the first and pick him up, even though he's probably not worth a first-round pick. But if he's all, all these guys go early, I could definitely see mm. someone doing that for someone who isn't. We wouldn't really be that interesting in any other draft. Yeah, the thing that'll be interesting will be looking at the bottom of the first if people start trying to hop back in to pick up a quarterback there. Because, as we said, it's a copycat league. We see that the success the Rams are having, the success Philadelphia and stuff are having, are because they have young rookie quarterbacks on deals that they can afford to pay people. And the big thing in this day and age, especially as you see the increasing amount of quarterbacks are being paid, if you get them in the first round, you can get their fifth-year option and you can keep that together for an extra year on a cheaper deal than if they hit the free market so I think people will if there is a Mason Rudolph like you say at the bottom of the first they will try and hop in because of the value of that fifth round option that would be available to them at that point um, like I said we'll go through these guys a little bit more in depth afterwards uh, in our next podcast also you should visit draftjoshallen.com it's a very informative <laughs> website <laughs> And uh, just, just, just for the end of the first section, we'll have a look at the special teams. So this is an interesting year for special teams. Uh, this is obviously Harry's favourite part. Uh, we have a punter who is the highest rated punting prospect of all time, according to PFF. Uh, now, that is with the caveat that they've only done college punting rankings for four years, I think. Um, but they're, they're very hyped on it. And there is a long snapper from Oregon who has been given a draftable grade, which will be very interesting. Looks like you made a massive mistake there, John Gruden. You could have picked him up in the second round in instead uh what do we think do we think someone's going to take a shot on a punter or a long snapper in the draft uh punter definitely um like this guy's stats are free like he averages 47.4 yards a punt his long is 76 Oof. his long in his previous year was 74 like this this guy can can boot it like and at those at that level with those numbers yeah, you can easily see a team spending a sixth or seventh, maybe even a fifth if they just run out of ideas. Well, this is my question. Is, like, how high would you... If, if, if you could even get the guarantee that this guy would be the top punter for the next six years... Jacksonville took Brian Anger in the third round once. Like, it, it happens. I don't think it'll go that high, but I could see this being a, a team even... A, depending on the cont, on the situation, but there could be a team who like just don't really like what they have in front of them. Or like, well, screw it, this guy's there. And take him in the fifth round or so. Like, his stats are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, two two just interesting points. Firstly, Texas is also where Justin Tucker came from. Special teams, special place. 
but also uh, on his draft profile, one of his weaknesses, he's just so good, he'll probably try to kick it too far. Like he'll try to get into the 10-yard from his own 10-yard line a bit too much. Maybe should be a little bit more conservative with his amazing punting leg. Yeah, that is that is amazing. I, I want to see more of this like feedback for other players. Like Maybe this quarterback should tone it down with his interceptions. <laughs> but he is probably rated lower than the next punter by the Patriots because the next punter down, J.K. Scott, is left-footed. Well, Patriots could be looking to get ahead of the curve now because they've started the whole left-footed punter thing. Mm. So if the league swings towards that, it's time for the Patriots to take a right-footed punter. Really confuse or everybody. Dexterous one. Oh. oh, he can pump with either foot. That's mm. oh, that the future be, is here. That'd be interesting. Oh, yeah. Training some children in his next camp, <laughs> <laughs> like tying their leg and forcing them to punt with their left leg. Absolutely. Tanner Carew, this long snapper, uh, he's got a draft grade again, like presumably kind of like tail end of the seventh or something. Uh, what would be the highest you could imagine a team drafting a long snapper? Is it the seventh? I think it's the seventh. Um, like I, I struggle to see how. Like it's like it's amazing that he's here, but it's it's a long snapper. Um, the only person apparently crazy enough to have this opinion about long snappers has already signed one. Thanks, John Gruden. Yeah. So um, interesting that you can do cause, like how the fuck do you even grade long snappers? Like that's a very <laughs> difficult job. So he must have done something to make him stand out. But I would be very surprised if a team spends more than a seventh round pick on a, on a long uh, snapper. Maybe a sixth again if they just run out of players that they like yeah. as their last pick. But hard to see it earlier than that. And you might think, oh, maybe this maybe this guy is getting drafted great because he has like you know excellent physicality from that. No, this is actually a guy who has since high school been the top-rated long snapper in the country, <laughs> who, who played through an ACL tear uh, oh, and still could, still did his long snapping best. He's actually quite small by NFL standards. He's actually quite like he's he's literally. I have dedicated my life to becoming an NFL player. And the long snapper was the only way that could happen. This is my life. It's uh, it's quite the rile. And if he manages to get drafted, then you know all those you too. If you if you keep long snapping since high school and spend years at like special teams camps in your off season, can get drafted in the seventh round of the NFL as a specialist long snapper, living the dream. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely living the dream. Fun times, eh? So uh, I suppose that'll do it for today on that. Because so, like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll go through our position groups next week and we'll do our mock draft and our own mock drafts and uh, all that kind of stuff in preparation for uh, a fresh batch of people coming in. So I think we have the same amount of uh, athletes turning up to the first round to attend the event this year. Um, so I think it's... 13 are turning up to the event which is obviously down on previous years outside of last year we saw a massive fall off as a lot more people are doing it at home instead mm-hmm. I think it's a bit more like could you imagine going down to it and not getting picked in the first round yeah, like that'll be rough also like the cost of yeah. dinners like if you have <laughs> if you have a load of linemen turning up like that's oh, got to right. massively increase the cost of catering overheads it, 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 it is weird though because the be- like the reason people a lot of people tune into the first round is to watch that player kind of like that keep going back to him obviously Aaron Rodgers is a very famous example of mm. every second every time a player is picked what does Aaron Rodgers think mm. right now um, so you know maybe a few years from now the NFL will stop all these people not showing up and they'll say well you don't get a bonus unless you show up to our draft yeah uh, be interesting so any plans for the rest of the week lads any crack 
Um, nah, not a lot. Probably uh, going to head up with some of the guys on Friday with Tarek and so on. And then, um, oh, was there another repeal fundraiser on um, Saturday, uh, which the Greens are doing. Uh, it's quite funny because we booked in to this uh, new bar that opened up called The Fourth Corner. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys makes his own beer. And it's the first place in Dublin that's got his beer on tap. And he's really excited to do it. And they booked like a DJ set who are like this three-headed feminist DJ collective called Eve and it was really really awesome and then it turned out the bar didn't have a license to have a DJ so now we're just going for pints <laughs> very good very good yeah but you can guilt them into giving more money thanks to your excessive generosity Mr. Mm. McAvitsonia apparently yes apparently I can um, mm. donate government, government Twitter bot uh... Simon <laughs> government Twitter bot named Simon let's yeah. forget yes. or maybe he's a corporation and there are limits on what money he can give mm. <laughs> Just Photoshop Harry's face onto a shop. Well, the pro- I've the, never seen Harry, the real person. The, the, the anti-choice <laughs> trolls have threatened to report me to SIPO, which is really funny. Um, yeah. Apparently I'm doing a, 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 a campaign finance crime, which I'm not, by the way, but they're just idiots. Yeah, I think Twitter I've got... full of idiots. Conclusions from this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I think Except for the people who believe in Josh Allen. They, they are hmm. pioneers and geniuses. That's true. That's and true. I shall vindicate their bravery. Mm. So outside of the outside of the the fun product launch tomorrow, when you crack it yourself, fits for the rest of the uh, week. Nothing too exciting uh, next week. Uh, I have a my grandmother's 80th. I think is two weeks from now, but uh, I'll be back to Cavan for that. Fun times. That's nice. Pretty good crack. And I'm going uh, mountain or rock climbing tomorrow up the the climbing wall again. So that'll oh, be very fun. good. Because I have to do it twice this week. I did it all yesterday. I have to do it twice, and then I get a licensey thing, so I can go in and do it whenever I want. Well, you're a licensed rock climber. Yeah, yeah. Uh, very good. Which is good crack. Uh, it was very fun. But they also they did they did not pair people up correctly at the start. They just let everyone pick their own pairs. So like people were doing ballasts for any, other people going up. So there was like very small girls being the ballasts for oh. like very large men, including myself, climbing up walls. How'd that go? Uh, very funny if you fell off because <laughs> like you wouldn't die but they would like they would fly into the air yeah, well. yeah, like there, was, there, there was one moment where um, one of the one of the women who were doing it with us uh, she because you're learning how to do all the like making sure the things are tied on correctly and stuff and she was lowering down a kind of largish American fellow and she just entirely lost the rope and the guy just dropped like 15 foot before the before the the, the, the instructor caught it and we were like oh and then just everyone nervously laughed for about two minutes and then we're like, let's let's redo all these pairs. Yeah. <laughs> Matching with people the same kind of weight mm. class, you know. But yeah, so we're doing that, and uh, yeah, nothing else really. Got to got to do a lot of study, knee deep in advanced econometrics. Mm. So uh, my brain is currently mush because I don't understand maths enough. <laughs> but uh, simple, same. It's all Greek to you. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did at a moment today when I was looking at one of the equations, and I just couldn't. For the life of me, remember what the Greek symbol, how you pronounce it, and I was like, okay, so it's that squiggly times that squiggly beta two. <laughs> I was just like, fuck's sake! And then I got to like go and Google up phonetic pronunciation <laughs> of the Greek alphabet. Uh, what was it? We must know, Connor. Oh no, no, uh, that's what we leave a cliffhanger for next week. Uh, so we'll open it up with uh, our next episode with that. I know. Or a big reveal. The symbol, the symbol was Josh Allen. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the hero the city needs. He's a symbol. <laughs> uh, a symbol for hope. 
But no, so we will we will do our mock drafts, our draft prospect review, and all that kind of stuff next week. And also, we may have because we're expecting the schedule release next week. Depending on what day we do it, we may have our schedule to review as well. But uh, I suppose for now, that's all from us. Give us your questions and stuff, and we'll try and get through them. Particularly draft related ones will be a bit of crack and well appreciated. Uh, so bye from myself, bye from Harry, bye bye from Ronan. Bye. This has been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we will chat to you next week.